Jared of the GM live from Beaton Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, where in one hour, Floyd Reese, the first official pregame show of the season starts, and in two hours, the puck will drop on the 2019-2020 Nashville Predators season. Amazing. It's been a little bit longer offseason for us. It feels like great. it's been like 10 months since yeah, they last great, played hockey. Great Honest to, get to it God. Back. You know, sometimes you, you get back to football and you're like, wow. You know, can you believe it's week nine or something like that? This, I'm like, like wow, can you believe hockey season? Yes, I can believe it because it's been forever since it happened. But with that, it is time for the people and Floyd. Ask the GM. we got a line open if you want to get in. Again, the best call for Floyd will win a pair of tickets to see Bastille at the Municipal Auditorium on Tuesday, October 22nd. So, Floyd, let's go to the people. Yes, sir. GM speaks. A little bit of the personality. Everybody listens. They understand every situation. And we're giving you exclusive access to pick the brain of former Titans GM Floyd Reese. Brought to you by Pella Windows of Nashville and Bob Steak and Chop House. Call 615-737-1025 now. You're never going to make a mistake. This is Ask the GM. Ask the GM is brought to you by Bob Steak and Chop House and Pella Windows of Nashville. And we're going to start off with Sturgill at 615-737-1025. Go ahead, Sturgill. Hey, guys. I just want you to know I'm on my way up there, and I just wanted to say go Preds. But uh, my my question today, Floyd, uh, is about the Tides. Do you think uh, LaJuan is going to play every snap on offense this week? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you for the call. And Come I by also, and see you, Sturgill. I also would want to know Good. like what the overall true impact of Lawan returning is going to be. They uh, this this is the problem you run into with Lawan, which is not I mean we we all know who Taylor is. We know how skilled he is. We know all of that about him. But he hasn't played in a month. Hasn't practiced with the team in a month. Hasn't done anything from a skill set standpoint for a month. So it is really difficult, in my opinion, to vision him coming right in, stepping right in, and playing every snap. Now, could that happen? Yeah, it could. Because we have seen, especially veteran players, that have built up this conditioning level that is so high that they can come in and play, jump right into a game like this they haven't played in, in, a, in a long time and play and play well. So, you know, it's going to be a giant question to see exactly where he is. From a football standpoint, I mean, he's going to help you. It's not going to be overwhelming until we start running the ball on the left side. I think when we run the ball on the left side, you will notice him more than at any other time because... I mean, we, we have all seen him in space and what he can do to a linebacker or safety or corner. I mean, he truly is a, a, a blessed athlete. Uh, and I think emotionally he will really help us. He will, he will, he's going to bring a little excitement to it, to, uh, to the, the huddle. People are going to be excited about him being back there and what he can do. And, and he's one of those guys that will talk it up pretty good. So, he may help some of those young guys especially kind of get over the hump. Um, the thing I'm concerned about with him are penalties, you know, and it's not – maybe it's a holding penalty because he's, you know, not in shape and he loses balance and he pulls a guy down and some of those kinds of things. 
I think I worry more about him losing his cool, losing his composure, mm-hmm. because he, he is going to be so hyped, and he gets so excited. And I could see him going out there and maybe throwing a punch accidentally, not throwing, but, but you know, or, or uh, you know, trying to finish a block and pushing a guy over a pile or running up to a pile and hitting a guy that's, that's standing next to it. Uh, and putting them down that way. So I get concerned about that part of it. You get concerned about personal foul, number 77 of the offense. Yes, I do. Let's go to Caleb, who's up next on Ask the GM, preserve Bob Steak and Chop House and Bella Windows in Nashville. Caleb, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good. GM, I got a two-part question for you today. It's going to be on the Predators. Okay. Uh, my first first part is, uh, <clears throat> on the current roster, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact this year and why? And then also, who are you choosing to win tonight's game? Thank you, guys. Thank you, Caleb. Well, we've got to choose the Preds to win. I think that's a lock. I mean, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, I think the guy, I mean, the obvious guy that's going to have the biggest impact, both directly and indirectly, I think is probably Duchesne. I mean, Duchesne is going to allow this team to do some things that they've, they have, haven't done. I'm not going to say ever because I really don't know if they've ever had, you know, two quality lines or not. Uh, but it's going to allow them to have a second quality line. And, and I think the question in my mind is you're saying, okay, we've got the first line from last year and the next best line, whatever line that was. Because let's face it, we went through spells there where, where the the next best guy might have been in the third line. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the third line was playing better than the second line. So, you know, the combination of those two lines and what they do for you, and these two supposedly top ranked lines, you know, what they're going to do for you, and it's going to be interesting in my mind just to see see how that plays out. Although I will say this. I mean, we haven't found anybody that that doesn't like the idea of the two lines. So I think that's a giant positive from our standpoint. I like it. I mean, I, I think you're probably right about DeShane. I mean, I unless you have a, just a pure bona fide superstar like Nathan McKinnon, I don't feel like you can single one guy out. That was always the strength of the Preds when they were winning the President's Trophy was everybody was contributing every night. Right. And that's bigger than one guy who's, you know, one impact player. Let's go to Mike, who's up next on Ask the GM. Ask the GM, presented by Bob Steak at Chop House and Pella Windows in Nashville. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, guys. So I am at the belief that a large group of fans were crying out for Matt Duchesne or another forward because they felt like we had all this depth on defense. And we had to get we had to give away one of our better defensemen in P.K. Subban to be able to get Matt Duchesne. My question here is, though, how how much of these two players going to be tied together? Because if PK goes to New Jersey and just goes bonkers, and Matthew Shane just kind of does okay, I mean, how much of an impact is going to be on the fans and on the organization itself if they maybe mess this up? Again, I hope that Duchesne plays great. I'm excited to have him here. But again, if it's a little bit of a like, you know, you you asked for it, you got it, but it wasn't what we wanted. Is it going to be hurtful for the team or the fans? I don't know exactly how I want to ask the question, but hey, help me out. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I guess the question there being, you know, how much are is PK going to be tied to Duchesne and how much talk is it going to be? Well, you know, had PK but had to get Duchesne. And they're going to be connected forever. You know, are they're they? Too, they're too high-profile players to not be connected. 
So they'll be, you know, people will talk about it one way or the other, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, and I don't know how you compare. I don't know how you compare a PK as a defenseman to, you know, a forward. I don't know how. Now, when I had my old pro boards, the way I used to do it was we ranked everybody, you know, literally every week at every position. So you would go in there, and I could look at it, and I could say, okay, PK is the number 10th defender in the country, and and Duchesne is the number 5th, you know, forward. So obviously we got a better deal, but but I don't have any of that access to any of that, so I don't know how they play out. I mean, I don't, I think, now this is just my gut feeling. This There's very little knowledge attached to this. I think if you ask throughout the league, there would be more people tell you that PK is a better defenseman mm-hmm. from a league standpoint than maybe um, Shane is as, as a forward from, a, you know, if you said, okay, give me the, the top 10 best defensemen and the top 10 best forwards, PK might be in the top 10. I doubt Duchesne would. So my thing is, I think they'll be tied together maybe for a year, but after that, not so much. They weren't traded directly for one another, and I don't know how much you can attribute. Like, if New Jersey has success, how much of it is because of PK Subban? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, to well, your point, from our standpoint, though, I think it's going to be more along the lines of if Duchesne is not playing well, then what? And PK is they're doing okay. You know, New Jersey all of a sudden they're going, well, yeah, look what we gave up for. You know, I mean, it's there's always that talk. So I, they, you know, but again, I don't, I don't know. I don't think to me. I think the fans wanted to move on from PK, so it was kind of like a good. You know what I mean? And they won't hold it against them, even if it doesn't work out perfectly. That might be true. Let's get another batch of calls for the GM. 615-737-1025-615-737-1025. I've got another question for you, Floyd. This is, uh, this is a, a tweet in from Sean who says, Why would that old man call a hockey game a lock for the Predators to win but would never do that with a football game? Let me, let me guess who that Sean is. Do I perhaps know him? This is Ask the GM, not Ask Jerry. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, you know what? I mean, that, that just shows you. I know less about hockey, and so it's easy to call locks. I know more about football. It scares me more. And so I'd say, no, you can't do that. But, uh, I mean, let's face it. Minnesota Minnesota they're they're, Yeah, they're struggling. So. And and we're expecting the Preds to be to be a good team. So I'm going with a good over the struggling. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Let's get another batch of calls for the GM. Again, ask the GM, presented by Bob Steggett Shop House at Bella Windows of Nashville. And again, the best call will win a pair of tickets to see Bastille. At the Municipal Auditorium on Tuesday, October 22nd. That's Bastille at Municipal Auditorium, Tuesday, October 22nd. Jared of the GM, let me tell you about Authentically American. That's right. I'm rocking Authentically American. Floyd's rocking Authentically American. Pope is rocking Authentically American. We are all rocking Authentically American, and we all love Authentically American. Why? Because they take great care of our business, and they can do so for you. But... If you just want to be wearing the best clothes that are made in the USA personally, 
You can go buy the individual stuff from there. Line at authenticallyamerican.us. It's simple. Authenticallyamerican.us, and they have it all right there. 10% of every Authentically American sale goes to veteran and first responder charities. That's one of the many reasons why I'm glad that I'm partnered with Authentically American. Buy your clothes, and these, these are custom just for you, not just for your business, which I've been preaching about, but for you, the individual. Authentically American, a made-in-the-USA brand, Authentically American, the next iconic brand that is truly American-made. Live from Pete and Terry's Tavern, it's shared in the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. As the GM is presented by Bob Steak and Chop House and Pella Windows of Nashville, Jared and the GM are live out at Pete and Terry's Tavern, of course, getting you ready for the season opener for the Nashville Predators and the Minnesota Wild. By the way, apparently, want to send out all of our thoughts with the uh, Sports Illustrated staff. Apparently on Thursday, today, uh, Sports Illustrated has started with an initial layoff of meetings earlier in the day. Uh, I guess SI has essentially been laying off a lot of people today um, from Sports Illustrated, which you know their magazine sales are what they are and so on and so forth. But a sad day for the Sports Sports Illustrated crew, and especially for people like me that grew up reading Sports Illustrated. It was it was like a Bible. I mean, growing up, you always. I mean, it was funny because you always turned. At least I always turned to the last page to look at the achievements. You know, they had mm-hmm. the pictures of those young kids and the achievement that kind of inspire me and get me going. But uh, yeah, for a lot of years, being on being in Sports Illustrated was a giant deal, big deal. I remember when uh, I remember with Sports Illustrated. One time, like in school, we were using old old magazines for some art project or something, and the, the achievement category, the high school kids or whatever, was running back Cedric Benson from high school. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Let's go back to your phones. Ask the GM. Preserve Bob's take a chop house in Pella Windows of Nashville. Trevor is up next on Ask the GM. Trevor, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. So um, I was just uh, I was listening yesterday when you guys were ranking – the uh, quarterbacks that you trust, the young quarterbacks. And you came to the conclusion that outside of Mahomes, you didn't really feel that great about any of them. And um, I kind of agree, but do you think that maybe because the last crop of quarterbacks that we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years has just been so great, I mean, you can make a case for maybe 10 guys to be future Hall of Famers. Do you think maybe now we're just back to a uh, more average crop of quarterbacks for like what you would see and uh, we've just been kind of spoiled and we shouldn't expect as much from these guys as we did the last set of guys you know uh, this interesting question this is a really good question i think um what we're seeing is we're seeing different kinds of quarterbacks coming out and the number one problem every every uh evaluator in the NFL has is trying to determine if the quarterback is running the program or the program is running the quarterback. And that is the the information you have to some way, somehow figure out because there are way, way too many um, quarterbacks that have come out of college with numbers that are just off the wall, just gaudy unreal numbers 
that really, really struggle in the league. And we see that on a yearly basis. Then every once in a while you get a Mahomes that pops out of out of one of those systems and you look at it and you go, wow, you know, he may be the greatest ever. So um, that that is the difficult part. But I think the biggest factor we have to keep in mind with all these young quarterbacks is the fact that they are young quarterbacks and you are not going to get the the consistency of play that you're looking for at such a young age. And we have seen occasion after occasion where a young quarterback has jumped out, really played well, and maybe never got any better. And we've seen those quarterbacks that maybe bounced around and didn't didn't get much playing time and you were worried about them. And when they did play, they didn't play well. And all of a sudden they start to blossom. So it's you have to be really, really careful about the uh, the decisions you make on young quarterbacks until you can be sure. And the bottom line is, at their young age, even Mahomes, I, I'll put Mahomes in this, at their young age, you just don't know which way they're going to go next. Why do you put Mahomes in there? Because he's going he's gonna to be facing stuff that he hasn't faced on a yearly basis now. You know, and and I think he's going to have a, a tougher time doing the things he did as a rookie, and and that's not taking anything away from him. I I think he's he's supremely talented, but you know what happens if he loses a receiver or two? What happens if his offensive line gets beat up? What happens if all those things happen? Then you know all of a sudden you're a different quarterback. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you're not as good as you were when you were throwing the ball up and down the the turf but you certainly aren't getting the production therefore people are going to look at it and go okay you know maybe he's not that as good as we as we initially thought so i think there are three categories of quarterback uh of every draft class there are the studs there are the kindas and there are the busts and every draft class has like seven quarterbacks and there's the studs the guys that are truly great like, Drew Brees and Tom Brady weren't in the same draft class, but they're both studs. And so what happens is you get a couple of studs in a class and a couple of busts, you know, Achilles Smith or Joey Harrington or, you know, all the Oregon quarterbacks, you know, you hope except for one of them at least. And those guys are busts. So you know that those guys don't even earn second contracts. Those guys become backups. Those guys just are what they are. But then you have the kind of guys who kind of make it, kind of don't, and the studs. Well, you look at an entire era of like six drafts at one time and say, look at all these stud quarterbacks there are. And I think, you know, in 10 years from now, there will be six stud quarterbacks uh, or 10 stud quarterbacks or whatever over a six-year period. But when you look at each draft class, you're like, okay, there's one stud in the like the 2016 draft. Is there any – would you qualify Golf, Wentz, or Dak as a stud? And you're defining a stud as a what? Like a, you know. Hall of Fame guy? Yeah, like the great quarterbacks no. that we're talking about. No. Okay. No. So, to me, I, I, again, go back to it and I say, well, so what's going to happen is, is you're going to have guys that are always on the cusps, and then there's always going to be about three, four, five great quarterbacks at one time. And it'll always be that way. Well, yeah. The thing that, that we have to understand, though, is just like you said, Brady was not in the same class as Breeze 
who was not in the same class as Mahomes, who was not in the same class as, and if you go as Russell, and you go throughout the league and you say, okay, here are these five or six guys that we think are really good players. Well, they're all going to be from different groups, Mm -hmm. you know, different drafts. So the truth is, I mean, you get a true franchise quarterback maybe once every two years, once every three years. Other than that, everybody in that draft is going to be a disappointment from the standpoint of, you know, I want this guy to be my franchise quarterback. I drafted him top ten to be my franchise quarterback. And, in fact, you're going to be, you know, sadly mistaken. 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. Ask the GM is presented by Bob Steg at Chop House and Hello Windows of Nashville. Coming up next here on Jared and the GM, is the excitement level of the Predators the same that it's been in the past? Should it be? And why is it not? We'll get to that next. If it's not, why is it not? We'll get to that coming up next. 615-737-1025-615-737-1025. The MTSU Blue Raider football team takes on the Marshall Thundering Herd this Saturday at Floyd Stadium. Get to the game early and experience the Grove tailgate area. Don't forget also to check out the Blue Raider Beer Garden and Family Fun Zone. Kickoff for MTSU Marshall is 2.30 on 102.5 The Game and 97.5 in the Borough. Chair to the GM, it's ESPN 102.5 The Game. Coach, how excited are you to get the season started? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think everybody's excited. Whenever training camp breaks, it's um, you know the start of something new. A uh, new group takes the ice for the first time in regular season, and got to start winning hockey games. So I think just getting through that grind of training camp and focusing on playing some games that mean something is is exciting for everybody. That was Peter Laviolette, and if that doesn't say excitement, Floyd, I don't know what else will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, are you excited? Yeah, you know, the grind of training camp was... The training camp is like three weeks, <laughs> right? Like <Max>. two weeks. <laughs> Max. And the season is long. It's a long season, especially if you're any good and you go deep in the playoffs. So even though Peter doesn't sound excited there, I talked, you know, I talked to Peter before the season, before training camp even started, and Peter was super excited. So he obviously is is excited. My question for you is the fans. Do you think the fans are excited for this season like they've been in past seasons? And I know like with Mariota, that's just simply a product of winning and losing and it's like you know, you did a good you win so the fans like you, you lose so they don't. And if you win, your fans are excited, and if you lose, you know, the fans are less excited with everything. But I just feel like we talked to Crispy today, and we asked Crispy, is this team a cup contender? And Crispy, without hesitation, says yes. And yet, I get a vibe from the fan base that it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, but... Uh, I don't get the same vibe for the start of the season like I did the last two years, if that makes any sense. I don't. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to judge, but I'll say this. Sitting here at, at this place with all of these fans, it looks like they're excited. Beating Terry Stavard? Uh, yeah. I mean, it looks to me like, I mean, this place is packed and they're outside and, you know, dancing up and down. And I, I, I think everybody's excited. But I really don't have a great deal to compare it to. You know, I, I don't know that. I mean, we weren't here last year. I think we were inside. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but, I, I mean, I, I think everybody's basically excited, yeah. 
I mean, start of a new season, and and we've got. I mean, the Preds have a strong fan base. We know that, and so there. I think the the vast majority of those fans are going to be really, really excited. Now, I don't know how many of them are going to be here tonight, but I have no doubt they'll be excited. Like I, I, I would love to know like what the TV ratings will be like this season. What the you know all of the metrics that I guess would you would use to to judge fan excitement. Well, you know, and, and if Matt Duchesne starts scoring early, that will add to yeah. the fan excitement. And and the truth is, after we get going, after we get into it, there may not be, you may not see a bunch of that, you know. I mean, I'm just guessing. But I think right now, opening night, I mean, there's a bunch of people here that are excited. Yeah, but this is the bar that's attached to the arena. Right. I'm not, I'm not talking about the people who are coming to the game if they're going to be excited. I'm talking about the people that sit in their living rooms and watch this team and live and die by this team and care about this team. And well, are, they still, know. are they still living and dying by this team? Oh, they I, right or, now. Are yes. they running to the TV tonight to say, "I got to watch tonight"? Tonight, are yes. They, because now, ask me that question in a month. That's the question. In my opinion, after the initial exhilaration, and now you're kind of. A little bit here, a little bit there, kind of in the middle, kind of, you know, what do they do? And and I wouldn't be surprised to see those, a group of those guys kind of kick back and say, you know, wake me when we get to the playoffs. I don't know. I just feel like last season was kind of one of those things where it felt like going into the year last year, it was one of those just call me when the playoffs happen because that's how the team acted. Like, remember the players going on Smashville Live and saying, you know, as long as we get it together the last 10 games of the season, we'll be fine. And we talked about that, and we discussed it, and we, you know, took every phone call and broke it all down, and we, you know, got in our heads about, you know, okay, if they play well for the last 10 games, then they will be, you know, good, good to go. And I want to say they finished like 8-2-1 and one in their last 11, and we said, all right, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Central Division champions, ready to go. And they went right out there in the playoffs, lost game one to Dallas, and looked the exact same that they looked in the season last year. And I think the fans were kind of like, I get excited about my President's Trophy team, but I don't know how I get excited about, you know, this team that can't score on the power play. The ups and downs that we saw all along, the lack of power play that we saw all along, those kinds of things became a reality when you got to the playoffs. And I think that, you know, we were we were like everybody else saying, oh, you know what? When they get in the playoffs, that power play will all change. All of that will change. And, and the truth is, you know, no, it won't. I mean, it is what it is. And that's probably a good lesson for us to remember when we're going, you know, through this year, trying to get the identity of a team. Pretty much what you see on a, on a game-by-game basis, probably what it's going to be. How much do you care? Like, I'm not saying about, like, individual games or anything like that but we just saw a team last year in the st louis blues be the worst team in the league on january 1st yeah and they won the stanley cup yeah so like am i supposed to give a rat's tail at this time of the year like 
it's hard because you can tell me, like, every game matters. And I asked Roman Yossi about it today, and Roman Yossi was like, you know, we gave 100% every game. And I'm like, okay, Roman, like, shut up. Like, you don't give 100% every game. I watched every game last year. I can tell you that game three, or no, excuse me, game four of the Dallas series, you guys were not giving 100%. There's no way that you guys could have played the way you played giving 100% in that game four of the Dallas series. And so with all of that, I I know they say that. But, like, for you, like, how are you supposed to look at this? Like, in hockey, Tampa last year was the best team maybe ever bounced in four games in the playoffs. And St. Louis, now I'll give St. Louis credit because right around February, like, when St. Louis got hot, they were so good. I remember you played them on a weekend in St. Louis, turned around, came here the next day on a Saturday, Sunday, and St. Louis just beat your tail. Just smacked your rear end. So I give St. Louis credit in that regard. But I go back to this. Like, how much does this early part of the regular season matter? How much does it matter to you? Well, I mean, it's going to, you know, we're going to have to get into it a little bit before we, you know, are glued. But we'll pay attention. We're going to know what's going on. We'll watch the games. We'll do that kind of stuff. But I'm not sure it's going to matter a great deal you know what your thoughts are until a little bit later on although the power play and Duchesne will be two areas that you'll be looking at all the time and um, and I think you know I mean the 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 St. Louis exception last year and the Tampa exception last year I mean we know those things happen but you can't count on those things happening you know you can't count on the best team in the league going out in the first round you can't count on somebody that, you know, if you're last in the NHL at Christmas, you can't say, okay, we're right on course to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, those two things don't go. Did it happen? Yep, it did happen. And we everybody saw it happen. But don't count on it. Okay, so you always talk about with the Titans the difference between hoping and expecting. So what are you hoping for in terms of good – you know, what What are you hoping for will go well for the Predators this year? And what are you expecting to go for, to go well for the Predators? For example, like goaltending, I think you and I both expect the goaltending to be oh, exceptional. Without a doubt. So where do you feel like you feel good about and the others where you're kind of like, I mean, I'm hoping, but we'll see. Well, I think we feel good about the, the two-line system up front. So, you know, you have to feel good about your ability to improve scoring. That's not a hope? The two lines are not a hope? No, I think we're, we're expecting that, aren't we? I think it's a total hope. Oh, no. I'm that expecting. by breaking up the only productive line you have, that you're going to get two good lines as opposed to maybe ruining the one productive line you had and now you have no productive lines? Yeah, no, I, I'm expecting it. Now, you could be right, but, but I think that will happen. I, I hope... The defense is still effective. I don't know how it can be as good, but I hope it is effective. Goalies, like you said, I, I don't worry about them at all. You hope the power play is going to be effective. But that's I think that's strictly a hope for me. Mm. I look at it like this. I hope that they get secondary scoring from, from Matt Duchesne, but I'm not putting a huge... Like, I'm not putting all my chips in the middle this year to hope that Matt Duchesne comes in and just lights it up. I, I can't do that. That's not fair to him, even though that's essentially 
what all the fanfare about getting him leads me to believe they think. And I just am saying that he's got a career history of saying he's a good player, not a great player. Right, but but Johansson doesn't lead the, the first line in scoring. I mean, he, he part of his job is to distribute the puck and give it to the other guys and let them score. So, you know, he may not, Duchesne may not be, you know, have the fantastic number. But if the other guys, whoever the guys are playing along with him, are scoring a bunch, then your second line's effective. I kind of expect that to be what Gramlin does. Like, Gramlin is supposed to be the, there you, go. you know, the creator, but him. not the scorer. And then you let the other two guys score. And so that, like, Duchesne's got to score. But, I, again, that to me is a hope. I expect the goaltending to be fine. And I expect the, the four defensemen to be fine. And I'm with Crispy. I mean, you heard Crispy say that he thinks around Christmas time, Dante Fabro might be a leader of the team, might be the best, one of the better defensemen they have, which is crazy to think. Although Fabro did look good last year when he came up. I expect Fabro to be good. Like this, taking out PK, putting Fabro up, he's going to be a rookie, doesn't have a ton of NHL experience. And I'm expecting that he will be absolutely fine and that Dante Fabro will be good, which is, uh, I feel a lot better about expecting that than I do that the unproductive guys are going to be good. The Gramlins, the Turrises, the Smiths, the guys that I really just never expect a lot from them. I, I have approached a bunch of these young guys and the Preds the same way I approach a young quarterback. Show me. Because we have, over the last two, three, four years, had all these young guys that go, and they're going to light it up, and they're going to be here for the playoffs, and they're going, and you never see him again, you know. And so, Fabro, I know he had great playoffs last last year, uh, but let me see it on a consistent basis. So you're not saying that about Granlin and Duchesne? No, no. All, all, well, Duchesne's I think a little bit different in that he has done it. You've seen him do it, you know. Granlin, I mean, you know, we want him to be a more of a factor, absolutely. Then comes the moment of truth. The young players. You know, how long do they go with the older players for? The tourists. How long do they go with them for? And then finally get rid of those guys and then bring in the young players. Because in all seriousness, if Pitlick and Tolvanen don't do don't provide this team with anything this year, then I'm just done worrying about prospects. And draft picks <laughs> and all you can shove that up your keister. If these guys don't come in here and do something this year, for as much as everybody around here talks about them, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm tired of hearing about it. It's all we ever do is hear about it. Well, I don't. I mean, it has been disappointing. And it's been, you know, clear back to who was the guy that was supposed to come with us and dumped us. Oh, Jimmy Uh, Veezy? Veezy. Clear back to him, you know. We waited for two years for Veezy to get here, and he, he was gone. Then they draft so. Sam Gerrard, trade him for Turris, who sucks. Yeah. Trade him, <laughs> and now he's signed a second contract already with Colorado, and he's a legit top four, probably a top pair defenseman, and he's good. Uh, and then you bring up Fabro, and we like Fabro right now. Uh, and then, you know, Tolvanen and Pitlick were like, they keep telling us about him, but they don't, you know. Let me see it. They, I'm with you. I mean, at this point, like, show me or else. And I, I can't do what I did last year where Rocco Grimaldi was the best player in a playoff series for me. You do that again, someone's getting fired. (laughs) And I don't know who's getting fired, but it's somebody. Coming up next, Predators game day. Everything you need to know about tonight's game, the Preds and the Minnesota Wild right here on Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025 The game.
Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's game day in Smashville. Brought to you by T.J. Anderson Homes and Geno's East. What are Peter Laviolette's keys to the game? Who will be in and out of the lineup? It's time to break it all down on Jared and the GM on your flagship home of Smashville. ESPN. 1025 The Game. The season opener is here. Predators game day presented by T.J. Anderson Holmes. Your road to real estate starts at TJAndersonHolmes.com. And Geno's East get a historic slice of Chicago deep dish tradition before or after the game. Geno's East. On the corner of 3rd and Korean Vets, info at genozeast.com backslash Nashville. Floyd, the record, 0-0-0 zero, zero, zero for the National Predators. Good start. Taking on the Minnesota Wild, 0-0-0. Zero, zero, zero. But here they are for game number one of the season tonight at Bridgestone Arena at 7 o'clock with the voice of the National Predators, Pete Weber. We start, of course, with the coach's take. The keys to the game from Peter Laviolette, presented by T.J. Anderson Homes. Again, your road to real estate starts at tjandersonhomes.com. T.J. Anderson Homes, thousands of people going to tjandersonhomes.com every day. So list with T.J. Anderson Homes. We start with the power play and how Dan Lambert comes in and how important it is to get early power play success. It's always good to get off on the right foot, I guess, with all aspects of the game, uh, winning and uh, finding success in your line combinations and feeling good about the way you play it. I don't think the power play falls into a separate category. It's it's something that I think if if you can find success early, you can build confidence from that. You can take that and roll with it as the season progresses here early on and, and try to continue to be great at it. So, again, there was a lot of good things in training camp. We tried to we tried to keep the power play units together inside of the, 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 the exhibition games that we played. Um, there was times where I thought we moved the puck around really well. Um, we, we scored some goals. And so all of that, I think, uh, has prepared us for opening night tonight. But again, now it's live. We've got to go out and do it. But I think we can gain some confidence from that early on. Floyd, Peter Laviolette can say, you know, you want to get off to everything on the right foot. And everything is important to get onto again. But in reality, how important is it that the power play get off to a good start to start this season? Oh, I, I mean, that, that is probably the single most watched thing that, you know, will happen tonight is when the power play comes up because, it, you know, hopefully it does. But anyway, it comes up because that was one of the biggest issues we've had. And it looks like it may have been corrected in the preseason. But we don't know for sure until we, we get where we're going. So... Uh, I mean, I think that'll be one of the, if if in fact we jump out and we get a a power play opportunity early and score, I think the place will go wild. I think what also happens too if the power play, like let's say they're zero for three tonight and Saturday night they're zero for five and things like that, if that builds up, that could be a serious problem. And the reason I say it could be a big problem is because, in my opinion, that's when you see players and coaches start to kind of be upset at each other. You know, really start to to maybe wear on the other one. It's like, you know, the, the players are like, hey, you signed me or traded for me to play in a certain power play system. Now you revamp the power play system, and I, I don't fit what you're trying to do. And then there's the coaching that says, we've done everything to try to fix this power play, and you guys simply aren't good enough. Because what's your philosophy? You either, one, practice it, two, get new players, three, change the scheme right. they've done all three 
and all of us, and I'm guessing all of them, are sitting around expecting some results. Well, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that from the coaches or the players. You know, being this is the first game. I mean, they understand it's going to take a little bit of time, and they're going to need to work into it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, the fans. You're talking about a totally different being there. And and these fans will not be happy if they go, you know, 0 for 3 tonight and 0 for 3 the next game and 0 for 3 the game after that. It'll be right back where we were. We're not any better than we were last year. You know, what are we doing on and on and on. So I think it'll be, I think it's a matter of, of you know, them being able to, to fight through the noise they're going to hear. You hear people say, eliminate the noise. Well, if they don't get scoring on the power play, there will be a lot of noise. Oh, there will be a lot of noise. Meanwhile, it's time to take a look at the Central Division. Of course, one game has been played in the Central Division, and it was an overtime loss yesterday by the St. Louis Blues, losing to the Washington Capitals. So they technically are in first place with one point. But it's going to be a very competitive Central Division. I asked Peter Laviolette about that Central Division today. It's a battle. I don't know if they've gotten better this year. It's just a, I think you know, five teams have made it for quite a few years or you know, four out of five years, whatever, whatever it's been. But it seems like there's always teams from the Central getting in. They're uh, tough to play against, and it's, it's, it's tough to, to, to grind with these guys. But I think we've done a pretty good job. I think we recognize that the our success you know, will ultimately lay against our record against the Central Division as to you know whether or not you can clinch a top spot and, and finish first in the Central or whether you can grab some home ice. You know, oftentimes that's dictated by how you do in your division. So we know it's a tough division. I don't necessarily know if it's better or worse than what it's been, but I will acknowledge that it's been a tough division for quite a few years now. Floyd, what do you think of the Central Division? The team that's won it in the last three years has been bounced before the conference finals. So you have that into it, but we know how competitive the Central Division is going to be this year. Oh, yeah, it's going to be competitive, and I continue to believe it's going to be even a little bit better. So, I mean, it's going to be – it will be a battle. Uh, and and I think, I think Peter brings up a good point, which is, you know, division games are going to be very, very important this year when it comes to the – the overall finish, you know, at the end. And probably the team that's lucky enough to win the most division uh, games will will very likely be the one that's that has the best record. Game number one tonight, Preds in Minnesota right here, 7 o'clock on ESPN 1025 The Game. What are we looking forward to tonight, GM? I mean, I'm looking forward to I'm trying not to get too greedy. So I'm looking forward to the power play one. Because everybody's going to be looking at that, and I'm looking at the two two lines and see how, in fact, they work together or oppositely or however they're going to do it. But but in my mind, try to compare that to the single line, the one line uh, that we had last year. I'm going to say I'm looking at Dante Fabro. Dante looked great in limited minutes on the third pair. He's in a top four role this year. Crispy sold. I'm kind of sold. Let's see how Dante Fabro does now that the lights are on. And honestly, you got to win over Minnesota. In this Central Division, you got to take care of business when you get Minnesota in town because everybody else is going to be cooking this year. That's it for us. We are out of here. Pre-game is next. Jared and the GM.